ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Welcome back to another episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about family worship. Um, You may call this family devotional time, family Bible time. There are many different names for it, Um, but this is something that the Lord is currently really working on Simeon and I's heart in this area, and it's something that I've heard from so many different people just asking for advice and like practically what does it look like trying to implement a family family worship time into your life. And you know, we're young parents, we're a young family. We've had that same question and we've really been trying to seek God's heart on the issue. And that's led us to um, some different scripture passages, some different resources. So I just wanted to share my heart with you a little bit as we talk about the area of family worship. And I know on the podcast this month in January, we've really had the emphasis of looking well to the ways of our household. And that's kind of the verse, the overarching theme of all of the ministry of No Higher Calling. Um, But really, as we've honed in January, new month, fresh start, setting some things in order, in our home. Um, I just felt like we couldn't wrap up a month or or have a month of an emphasis without emphasizing this family worship. Because um, while you know, it's important to have a good cleaning routine in place, or we're going to be having an episode coming soon about being healthy and what that needs to look like for you. Um, and hospitality, we've, we've talked about several different things um, with this emphasis of looking well to the ways of your household. But I feel like as a family, as I'm really digging into God's word, one hinge pin that is so essential to the Christian home is to have a regular, consistent family worship time. So we're going to dig into this a little bit in this episode. And And um, just ask the Lord to speak to you. He has really been speaking to Simeon and I's heart, like I said. So what I'm sharing in this episode isn't uh, really advice that comes from something that we have mastered. No, we are in the thick of it trying to ask God to help us really, you know, I, I think when it comes to family worship and it's, you know, there's a lot of questions on, well, what do we talk about and how do we study the Bible and how do we get our kids to sit still and how do we get them to be excited about God's word? And while all of that comes into play and we're going to talk about that, um, I really think it comes down to the parents, to getting your heart right and just really committing to Lord, okay, we see in your word that this is a priority for our home and we are going to just repent for the lack thereof to this point and really seek to make a change and to implement this on a consistent basis in our family. So maybe family worship is something that you've been doing. It's part of your rhythm of home. It's something that is already incorporated. Great. That is wonderful. But I have a feeling that the majority of us um, either have not really done this at all on a consistent basis, maybe here and there, or, you know, we've done it for a season and then life gets busy and it just, it gets bumped way down on the priority list when it really should be close to the top. So I really just want to challenge you to come to this episode with an open heart, asking God, what do you have for me as we really try to pray through this area? Now, I do want to say at the beginning too, when I talk about family worship, 
And we'll see this as we dig into some of the scripture. Um, It is God's order. It is God's perfect design for the man to be the leader of the family. And I'm thinking probably like 99.9% of my listenership is uh, women. Um, Now, I understand that we all come from a variety of families and homes and different things. At the end, we're going to address some questions like, well, what if my husband isn't a Christian? What if he um, is a Christian but just isn't the spiritual leader of the home? What if you were a single parent? parent and you're trying to do this on your own, we're going to talk to that a little bit. But I kind of wanted to just throw in the beginning here that I do believe that God's order is for the man to really spearhead this and then the wife to be the encouragement, um, the, you know, the supplementary voice, the, um, the come along beside the husband and help, um, with the family in this area. Now I know, especially as like a homeschool mom, a lot of the instruction that my children, a lot of the Bible instruction that they receive does come directly from me. But this family worship time is specifically a time where all the family comes together. So this isn't like a Bible lesson for school. This isn't, um, you know, just something separate. This is when the family comes together and this is the time every day that we as a family are going to study God's word together. And if at all possible, Possible. I think that it is a biblical principle that the husband is the one that leads and directs in this area. But I want to just jump in here with some different passages on what does God have to say about families worshiping him together. I, you probably are already thinking that I'm going to go to Deuteronomy because Deuteronomy has a wonderful passage on this, Deuteronomy 6. Um, let's start in verse 5, 5, 6, and 7. It says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. That, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. God's straightforward there. When you're in your house, when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking in the way, all areas of life, we are to be instructing our children in the wisdom of God's word. In Genesis, Genesis 18, 17 through 19, it says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. That phrase there, um, God said, I know that Abraham will command his children and his household. We see that um, in the story of Isaac and, you know, going up the mount and God told Abraham to, to sacrifice Isaac and, and Abraham obeyed. Isaac understood. He asked some questions. Where is the, where is the lamb? Um, where, you know, why is this not a why don't we have this? Because Isaac knew the the sacrifice. He had participated in this. He had observed this. He had an understanding of man's relationship with God from watching his father. In Joshua 24, 15, we kind of started the month of the podcast with this verse, but it's just so good. I had to come back to it. It says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, 
We will serve the Lord. You can't make this decision for anyone else's home. You can't make this decision. Uh, maybe you have children outside of the house now. You can't make it for their homes. You can pray it for their homes. You can encourage and try to use your influence. But the only home that you make the decision for is yours. And I pray that ladies, and as you talk with your husbands, that we will stand united as Christian couples that say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And part of serving him is worshiping him, giving him the worship that he is so worthy of. In Job chapter one, it says there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. And then it goes on in the next few verses to talk about how um, it says in verse four that uh, when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them being his children and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all, the number of his children. So there it's showing Job entering this worship here really on the behalf of his children. But I'm sure that if that was something that Job was doing on the behalf of his children, he was bringing his children into this um, throughout their time in home. He was making family worship a priority. Psalm 78. I'm going to read some of these uh, first verses. I'm just going to read, I think, eight verses here. So just listen with your heart as I read. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God so in these verses we read about the importance of teaching the next generation the truth of God's word so that they can pass it to the next generation, not to make the foolish decision of the fathers, the stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. We don't want to be that generation. We want to be the generation of parents that pass truth to our children with the prayer that our children will then pass it on to our grandchildren. Let's get some New Testament verses here. In Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Um, this is talking here about, you know, husbands and wives, but often husbands and wives become mothers and fathers. And again, we'll talk at the end here a little bit about even if there aren't children in the home, it is still so vitally important to have this family worship time as a couple. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Any fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I want to read a quote to you from the book Family Worship by Donald Whitney. It says, Consistent father-led family worship is one of the best, steadiest, and most easily measurable ways to bring up children and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, these thoughts have really been developing in my heart just personally as we've been working through some things, trying to make some changes that we feel are necessary in our home in this area as people have reached out to me asking to address this specific topic. And then the Lord led me to this book, Family Worship 
Worship by Donald Whitney. And it was such a solid, it really is more like a booklet. It's not that long. You can get through it pretty quickly. But it had such a biblical foundation. A lot of those scripture passages I read, he went through the history of family worship in the Bible. He went through the history of family worship in really the history of mankind and the impact that that has had, and then gave some really practical things. So a lot of what I'm going to share in this episode comes from some thoughts and from some different things that I came across in his book. Um, But it is just so vitally important for the next generation and for future generations that this be an area choose, just like Joshua says, choose you this day who you are going to serve. Is it going to be sports? Is it going to be, um, you know, extracurricular activities? Is it going to be academia? Is it going to be vacations or extracurricular activities? Or is it going to be, you know, whatever, whatever it is the world has to offer? Or are we going to say, hey, we're going to make the sacrifices. We are going to make the time, give the effort to make family worship a priority. I do not think that it would be a a wasted time. I do not think that you're going to get to the point where your children are leaving your home and you're going to look back and be like, wow, I wish we wouldn't have given so much time to family worship. The exact opposite. If I have heard the testimony, uh, once I've heard it a thousand times from older people that have walked further down the road than me, that have children that have left the home, if they look back, that says they either they say it with thankfulness, this is an area that I'm so thankful that we made an important part of our home, or they might even say it with a little bit of regret and a heed to, to me, to the younger generation, Of I wish we would have spent more time as a family worshiping God, studying his word, praying together. Um, And so I think that it's just a good time to stop and really assess our families, assess our priorities. And if family worship is not a priority in your home, then something needs to change. I want to jump into talking just about some of the essentials of family worship. And I've gotten so many questions on Okay, so what devotional book should we go through? What about these ages? You know, what what's a good devotional book for teens? What's a good devotional book if you have little kids? Um, I've had people ask, can you take a video of your family time and show us what it looks like? Well, the reality is every family is different. Um, the dynamics of every family are different. You may have kids, you know, from teenagers to babies. You may have all littles. You may have olders. You may have no kids. You may be a single person. Um, maybe you're engaged. So there's just a broad gamut of things. So while I can tell you what we do, and I will tell you a little bit of that, um, that doesn't mean that it's the perfect thing or the right thing or the only thing. This is just what God has led our family to. But three essentials I think that are so important in family worship that whatever else you do, um, these three things are foundational. Do these three, and then if you want to build upon them, build upon them. But these three things is to read, read God's word together, Pray, speak to God, and sing. Lift your voice in praises to God. Charles Spurgeon said, They that pray in the family do well. They that pray and read the scriptures do better. But they that pray and read and sing do best of all. This is a completeness and that kind of family worship, which is much to be desired. So read, pray, sing. I think sometimes in this area of family worship, we overcomplicate it. And then we get so daunted by, well, what if we don't pick the right devotional or I don't know the right songs to sing that it just kind of falls by the wayside because we feel like it has to be this 
big complex thing where it has to be this perfect thing like, well, my kids didn't sit down and, and listen for the whole 10 minutes or they weren't engaged or, you know, somebody's picking their nose and somebody's whacking their brother and it was just a, you know, trying to rein them back in the whole time. It's not going to look perfect. Um, probably ever because <laughs> we're people, life has distractions. And you know what? If anything, Something that has made me realize the importance of family worship is how much goes wrong because Satan is so desirous to keep us from this. He's going to make the dog bark. He's going to, you know, make the neighbor come and need something during family worship time. He's going to, I mean, just there's distractions. And and I'm not saying that all of those are Satan's fault. Um, You know, life happens, people happen, sickness happens, hunger, thirst, toddlers. I mean, it's all just a part of life. But don't let the feeling of, oh, it has to be perfect, or I have to have all my T's crossed and all my I's dotted before I can start family worship. Jump in and make it simple. Read. Read the Bible. Now, if you want to do extra things, if you want to do a devotional plan, go for it. Right now, this is what our family is doing. We are just reading through the Proverbs. And I know that's a huge emphasis that I'm putting really on the ministry of No Higher Calling is a lot of us are penning the Proverbs this year. But we sat down January 1st. My husband kind of looked at me and was like, where should we go? And I was like, well, there's... 31 days in the month. What do you think about Proverbs? So we just jumped into the book of Proverbs and every day we have been reading um, a chapter from Proverbs. And, you know, we kind of have this little dialogue now that we're into it quite a bit where my husband asks when we start, okay, what is Proverbs about? You know, they say wisdom. Um, We have little ones. So he asks, how do we listen or um, what do we do when we read the Bible? Um, You know, my two-year-old says we keep our mouths closed. Um, My other ones say we listen with our ears. We listen with our heart. And then we just jump in. Daddy reads it. He gives a few little thoughts, maybe pulls out a verse, tries to ask them some questions. A really good piece of advice that I got, especially if you have little children is maybe skim through the chapter and okay uh, maybe a verse is keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life before you read your chapter tell your kids we're going to read a verse and it's going to say that we have to keep something with all diligence i want you to be listening for that when we read that verse so then when you finish the chapter you come back and revisit that and say can somebody tell me what do we have to keep with all diligence so kind of putting that question at the beginning so it keeps them thinking and engaged and listening for something listening for an answer to a question but simply read, read God's word, wherever you start, um, just read it. And you know, if you have younger children, you might have to shorten the amount that you read. If you have older children, you might be able to read more or have a lengthier discussion as you try to really dig in. Maybe you want to pull in some resource tools, bring in a dictionary, um, bring in, uh, you know, a commentary, something, but you make it work for your age group. The important thing is just to read God's word together. Then pray pray together. Um, Usually we, so our family Bible time happens in the morning, our family worship. We're already seated, seated there together. And so at breakfast, we are starting our day. So we just quickly say, Hey, what are some things we have going on today? Has anybody reached out to us with a prayer request today? Did we see something on social media? What is something that is kind of directly connected to this day that we can pray for or that we can praise God for. Um, We pray through different missionary families. So we pray for a missionary family, different things like that. But we try to keep it very relevant to the day. Um, I have three that are old enough to pray, six, four, and two-year-old. So we usually give them one specific prayer request. You're going to pray for so-and-so, they're sick. You're going to pray for this missionary family that God will, um, you know, bless their ministry and give them fruit for their labors. 
just different things like that, depending on the age of the child. But we have a quick little time of prayer and then we sing. So currently this year we are working through my book that I wrote, Great Hymns for Growing Hearts. We went through that last year devotionally, but um, we just kind of did how it's written out. We did a hymn a week, but I have a little one. So that wasn't enough time for them to really learn all the verses. Maybe we got, you know, the first and last verse, but the middle ones kind of got lost. So this year we are just taking the whole year to go through those 12 hymns um, that I wrote about in in the book, Great Hymns for Growing Hearts. And we're just committing all the verses to memory. So this month we started with the first hymn, Amazing Grace. All four verses, we've been memorizing those. And it's late enough in the month now that my kids can sing it. Even my two-year-old pretty much can sing the whole hymn. And I love that because what's amazing about that is then when we go into the church, my children can participate in corporate worship because we have invested that time into the family worship. They know the words of the hymn. So when we're at church, they don't feel out of place. They don't feel like it's a place for mommy and daddy. It's a place for them because they can then join in on the worship as well. I love that part um, about worship. And and I want to throw in something here. Um, I know a lot of people say, well, how do you get your kids to sit still? And a lot of people ask the question, how do you teach kids to sit still in church? How do you get them to listen? And I am wholly convinced convinced that that starts at home. And uh, Simeon and I last year read the book, Family Driven Faith by Vadi Bauckham. So good. Highly, highly recommend that book. We're actually going to read it again this year. It was just so phenomenal. But he talks about how the key to getting your children to sit still, to listen, to know how to behave in church is to have this family worship time. This is an instructional time, not just instruction in God's word, but instruction of how do we reverence God's word. When God's word is read, like I said, we keep our mouths closed. We listen with our ears and our hearts. We're not talking to our neighbor. We're not whacking our brother. We're going to sit. And if this is completely new to you, or if you have little kids like me, you have to work up to a 30 minute sermon. Um, you know, we don't have boot camp where it's like, oh, we got to read the Bible and sit still and not move. And you no, know, little bits, little bits at a time. And you can even implement this if you have really little ones um, with just reading. You know, if you're just reading a picture book, hey, we're going to sit here for five minutes. We're going to set the timer. Or maybe it's even shorter than that. Maybe you just have a wiry little kid. We're going to set the timer for 30 seconds, one minute, and we're going to sit and read. Or even if you're not doing something, it's good to teach our children how to sit still without any other objective or any other thing going on. Like, hey, we're going to practice. Here's a chair. Sit in the chair. I'm setting the timer for one minute and let's see how still you can sit for one minute. You know, maybe they've worked through that. Maybe they're up to a couple minutes. Then maybe, okay, we're going to read a book. Let's sit still and read the book. Now in family Bible time, family worship, you're incorporating that. So that's a really good way to start training them for church. But okay, so sing, read, pray, and sing. Those are the foundational, essential elements of family worship. Then there are extra things that you can add into that. Um, you could always bring theology. There's so many different resources out there to help teach children theology. Um, one of my favorites that I've just recently come across, it's brand new, is the Children's Bible Society. I will link that down in the show notes. Heidi James does that, and she's actually joining me next month for a podcast episode on teaching children to pray. So stay tuned. That is such a phenomenal episode to help us teach our children to pray. Um, But she has some different theology things. She has some YouTube videos, just simple questions. What is God? Um, What is the Trinity? Things like this. So you can check that out. And hey, maybe you just want to incorporate that right into your family worship time. You've read, you've prayed, you've sang, you still have attention. So hey, we're going to sit down and watch this couple minute video and learn that. Or maybe you have other resources that you can use. Maybe you just want 
want to take your Bible and dig in and try to teach some of these different theological things. You can memorize scripture. Um, that is a something we've really been trying to work on more that's a little more heavy um, during like our school time, but this is a really good time to run over it with daddy so that as a family, we are memorizing scripture together. We're practicing that together. Um, other things you could do, you could incorporate other books. Um, missionary biographies are a really good one. We're trying to read more of those this year to our children. Um, one of my favorite resources for little, little ones that I've come across, so like my two, three, four-year-olds, are the series Do Great Things for God that uh, is on Amazon. I'll link that in the comments, but it's a really an introductory biography. Um, they have like Corey Tim Boom. They have um, Gladys Allward. Gladys Allward was the first one that we read. And my son was so captivated by her story that then we went on to read one of the heroes, the Christian heroes, then a now series of Gladys Allward. Um, but bringing some of that into our family worship time. Again, I have little, so maybe we only get through a page or two, but we're slowly plugging away at reading these great missionary biographies. Other things you can do, and I talked about this a little bit, but you can bring in um, different media sources. I talked about the YouTube channel on the Children's Bible Society. We have a podcast that we're really enjoying listening to. Um, it's called Truth Seekers. So it's just truth for kids, and she goes from Genesis all the way through the Bible, telling the great stories of the Bible. Um, it is not a KJV podcast, but it is something that we have enjoyed so much, just going line upon line, precept upon precept, working our way through the Bible, um, learning these Bible stories. Usually Usually by this point, sometimes, you know, daddy has kind of wrapped up our main family worship time and this might bleed over into just the kids and I now, but we enjoy incorporating some of those extra things. And again, you don't have to do all of those every time you can mix it up. Maybe like the other morning we were in a rush to get out to the doctor. So our our family worship time, we actually bumped it to lunch or maybe you're just, Hey, repricing and that's all we have time for. But those are some extras. And I think the things that are important to remember and keep keep kind of at the forefront of your mind is just the brevity. You don't have to drag it out. You don't have to, you know, have an hour of time to be able to say, oh, well, this was a successful family worship. Um, if it needs to be longer, if conversation lends, especially if you have older ones, go for it, dig deep, enjoy those conversations. But if you have little ones, five minutes is better than nothing. Don't be afraid of, of a short family worship time to the neglect of even doing it. Um, regularity. Keep it consistent. Keep it something that you make a habit of your home, a rhythm of your home. This is the way we do things. These, um, like I said, these rhythms make up who we are. And one of the easiest ways to do that, if you haven't been doing it already, is to incorporate family worship into an already established part of your family rhythm. So for example, um, breakfast. We found that that is the best time to do it. We had been trying to do it in the evening, but it just inevitably we had different things going on in the evening, friends over, you know, ministries, or it'd get too late and we'd forget. And then, you know, the baby was already in bed and the toddler needs a bath. And so we just found that trying to do it in the evening, there were too many reasons why we were forgetting to do it. Um, so we were like, you know, it doesn't say that we have to do this in the evening. Why don't we just tack it on to the morning? 
So we decided at, at breakfast time, we're already all together as a family. It's the start of our day. We haven't all parted ways. Before we do so, let's take this time to sit down and worship God as a family. And then the next one is flexibility. And I kind of talked to that a little bit. Um, you know, that season of life, evening was not going to work. But maybe you're in a season of life where your kids are older or maybe they're in school and it's just too early to do that. Maybe you have teenagers and they're here and there and everywhere. So you have to be flexible. Different seasons look different for different people. If you find that, hey, we're in a new season and what has been working isn't working, it's better to change it to make it work for a different time, maybe look a little different than to just get rid of it altogether. Um, It is so important to keep this incorporated into your family. I want to address a couple questions on a family worship time. That Now, these come directly from this book, Family Worship by Donald Whitney. He has a whole chapter at the end. He says, no family worship situation is unique, but what if? And I think sometimes we have these situations that come up and we're like, well, nobody's ever had to deal with, you know, X, Y, Z. How am I going to make this happen? I just want to go through a few of these questions that he presents and then some of the biblical wisdom that he shares in the answer to these questions. So it says, what if the father is not a Christian. So he really just gives a challenge for the wife to try to make an appeal to your husband. Tell him how important this is to you, how important you think it is for the children, for the family. And even if he isn't saved, ask him, hey, you know, could you read a verse or two? Could we try to pray together? Could we sing together? And he said more often than not, even an unsaved husband might be willing to do it because he loves the wife. He loves the children and he sees that it is important to her. Now he does go on to say many unbelieving husbands Husbands will not participate in family worship under any circumstance. And I'm reading just straight from the book here. It says, in that case, the mother should institute and lead family worship herself, being careful that neither the way nor the spirit with which she conducts family worship causes unnecessary offense or turns the children against their father. I think that that warning there is very important. And if you find yourself in a situation um, where your, your husband is not saved, or maybe he is saved, but he just isn't on board... Prayer is such a valuable and such an important tool. Ladies, pray for your husband. Pray that God will capture his heart, whether that is through salvation or just consecration to the Lord, that the Lord will save your husband and will help him to see the importance of this in your family. And if he will not take the lead, then guide your family in this way. Try to have this influence on your children, but do it with the right spirit. Then he goes on to say, what if there is no father in the home? I know we have so many broken homes um, now, so many single parent families, um, but God still gives the command to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if the father is not present in the home, then that responsibility falls to the mother. Now he does give some ideas. He said that if you have an older son, maybe you could incorporate, you know, help teach your son how to take the lead. Maybe he is going to read the scripture passage. Maybe he is going to guide the family family in prayer. Um, maybe if there is uh, an, an, an older man and lady in your church, an older couple that could come over with you, not not every day, I understand, but if they could try to come over maybe on a regular basis and, you know, join into family worship with you. Now you wouldn't want to have like an older man and you and your children, but if the man and his wife could come into your home and then participate in family worship with you as well, then um, I think that would be a great idea. 
He brings out the example of Lois and Eunice, uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother. And just Timothy's father was not saved, but their faithfulness in living a real faith, a genuine faith, having family worship, training Timothy up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Timothy grew up to be a strong man for the Lord, to do amazing things for Christ. Um, So I don't feel like if you're in a single home situation that that disqualifies you from family worship. It can still happen and it can still be beautiful. The next question is, what if the children are very young? He says, in this case, you may need to exercise an extra extra measure of both discipline and patience. Part of the discipline may be to teach them to stay in a certain place, such as by their mother or in a particular spot, and to be quiet during the few moments of family worship. Part of the patience required is persevering with the practice of family worship, even when the children don't stay in place or remain. Most children want to play and not pay attention during family worship, at least not for very long. Since young children cannot concentrate or understand at the same level as older children, families whose children are quite small should aim for a very short time of family worship. He goes on in another paragraph to say, So even if you have a child who is 15 months old and doesn't even know what you are saying, be assured that the child is learning. If we could put his or her infant thoughts into adult language, they might be something like this. I don't know what it is that we do here every night. Dads read things that I don't understand from a big book. Then everyone closes their eyes and talks. And after that, everyone sings. But whatever it is, it must be important because we do it every night. In other words, even when a child cannot grasp the content of what you read, pray, and sing, at the very least, the child is beginning to learn that the family worship is an important part of the rhythm of your day. Not only that, the child will also grow up believing that family worship is a normal part of life in the home, and as an adult won't need a book like this one, which is the book that I'm reading from, to teach him or her about the priority of family worship or how to conduct it. Through discipline and patience, you'll establish a treasured tradition for your family, which may continue for generations. I love that. No child is too young. Get them involved. Let them see this pattern of how you do life as your family in your Christian home. Another question is, what if there's a wide range of ages among the children? And he just gives several different things. Um, He says sometimes families might have, you know, a a main family worship time where you do, you know, a shorter reading, try to gear a little more to the younger ones, and then maybe a separate time with the older ones where you can dig deep, have more conversation. Again, this just comes into flexibility. You have to figure out what works for your family um, and, and navigate through that. But it is doable. You can make it doable. He says that history teaches us that in recent centuries, Christian families were typically larger in number and more diverse in ages than is common today. And yet, there were often more faithful in family worship than Christian families are now. So they prove it can be done. The next question, and this is the last one that I want to wrap up this episode on, is what if there are no children at home? So in 1 Peter, the Bible addresses husbands and not fathers when it talks about this mutual prayer in the home. So family worship is not just for parents. It is for couples as well. Um, I love this quote from his book. It said, so even though the presence of children in the home intensifies the importance of family worship because it affects the next generation of Christians, the absence of children in the home does not justify the absence of family worship in the home. So whether you are newlyweds, he even challenges, hey, the day you get engaged, have your fiance start a, a family worship time. You're now promised to be married. Um, you know, have this time where you read, pray, and sing together. So from, you know, the earliest uh, engaged newlyweds 
all the way until you're senior citizens, empty nesters, you have no children in your home, and everybody in between. Maybe God's given your home children. Maybe God hasn't given your home children. Um, But you can worship Him as a family. There is no family worship situation that has not been addressed by Christians for centuries. You are not alone in the circumstances that make family worship difficult, nor are you alone in in experiencing its delight. Wherever you're at, just jump in. And he asks a couple questions here uh, in the chapter. Isn't this what you really want to do? And I want to wrap up the episode with these. So think about these. As we've talked about all of this, all these different things about family worship, the importance, what the Bible says, um, some different things from this author that I've read. Ask yourself these questions. What better way to speak the gospel into your children's lives every day when thinking about family worship? What better way to provide a regular time for your children to learn the things of God from you? What better way to provide your children with an ongoing opportunity to ask about the things of God in a comfortable context? What better way for you to transmit your core beliefs to your children? What better way for your children to see the ongoing positive spiritual example of their parents in real life? What better way to provide workable, reproducible examples to your children of how to have a distinctly Christian home when they start a home of their own? What better way for getting your family together on a daily basis? All of those things can be answered in the answer of family worship. One last point that I just want to make here in really just this challenge to myself and to all of us to look better to the ways of our household in the area of family worship is I think sometimes we delegate to the church, to the Christian school, to the Sunday school teacher, the responsibility of instructing our children in righteousness. When the Bible clearly says, we went through all of those verses at the beginning of this episode, the Bible clearly says that is the responsibility of the parents. I'm thankful the church comes alongside. I'm thankful the Sunday school teacher. I'm thankful that, you know, if your kids go to a Christian school situation or, you know, even in homeschooling, we have other voices, curriculum that is speaking into my children's hearts. I'm thankful for that. The primary one to pass truth to the next generation is their parents. The children should be hearing from their parents. And what better way to do that than to institute a regular family worship time in your home? So ladies, I pray that this episode um, really just challenged all of us that from this episode, we will see more homes committing to have a regular family worship time in their home. I'm going to close this episode out in prayer. Lord, I thank you for really how you have just convicted our family in this area. Um, I thank you for the growth that we've seen as we've tried to realign our hearts with your heart and seek your priorities in the the management of our home and Simeon and I's marriage and in the raising and instruction of our children. I pray that you'll be with each one of the listeners, Lord. I pray that you will help us to be more consistent in this area and that through family worship time that we will just raise a generation that does not forget the law of God, but who loves it, who who writes it upon their hearts, who loves you with all of their heart, soul, and mind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.